This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. In a year full of anxiety, we talk about the early signs of anxiety that show up in kids and what you can do about them. And we have a listener question from a mom who's worried about the anxiety her son is showing during remote learning and difficulty being on camera. Hi, everybody. This is Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, psychotherapist, author, and we're here to welcome you to season two of our podcast and the debut episode as Fluster Clucks. I'm here with my sister-in-law, Robin. Hi, Robin. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Good. It's our new season. Our new season. So we thought that maybe if we have some new listeners, they'd like to hear a little bit about what we're about and what we do on this podcast you're an anxiety expert, but people who don't have anxious children are still huge fans of your work because your work actually is relevant to every family. Why is that? Well, for one, it's hard to get through life without having any worry or anxiety because life is so uncertain as we've discovered in the last year and will continue to discover. You know, the term that I use all the time is emotional management. When you have a big feeling, knowing what to do with it, knowing how to talk about it, knowing how to manage it yourself. And also it's such a big part of relationships, being able to convey what you're feeling It's such a critical skill. It's so true because recording the first season with you has been such a powerful learning experience for me to emotional management, whether it's worry, anger, whether it's sadness, shame, regardless of what emotion you're feeling, to take all these tools that you so carefully outline for externalizing and identifying and becoming self-aware and interrupting a pattern of worry, you can use that for every emotion. It's really powerful. Oh, well, thanks. I think one of the goals of this, and when I think about the people that are listening to this, and I do a lot of talks in front of big audiences, and it's not just people who are coming because they have anxious kids. My goal is to take something that can feel so complicated and overwhelming, and our field likes to do that. I really feel like there's this whole language that we sort of like. My goal is to make it as simple and as understandable and as versatile as possible. So for you to say that you can listen to what I'm saying and then apply it to your family and you can see how broadly these skills are able to be used, that makes me feel great because that's really what I want to do. I just want to simplify it and make it accessible. These are things every parent should be thinking about and every child should learn for emotional management. I always think about raising boys, and but I used to say, as simply as I could, I I don't know what I used to say. It was something like, I just want to raise kind, sweet boys. And then jokingly, I would say that my daughters-in-law will really like me and let me see the grandchildren. So I feel like I've always thought about what's most, most important in relationships and connecting. How do we get along with other people? How can I create human beings that other people enjoy being around. And I think if I were to sort of think about my job as a therapist, the hardest thing for me, the thing that makes me the most, you know, sort of acclaimed, even as I'm saying this now, is loneliness. And I just feel like emotional management 
allows you to connect with other people and allows you to be vulnerable and honest with other people so that you're not lonely. And I feel like that's just so critical for our kids as they grow up into teenagers and into adults. How do you connect with other people? Because loneliness loneliness is just too much for people to manage. And it's just at the root of so much suffering. Learning how to connect with different types of people and remaining in an authentic space means that you will never have loneliness. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's what it comes down to for me. I mean, I can either say it in that really positive way of sort of, I want to create kids that are kind and loving and can have positive relationships. And then when I'm when the heaviness of this job is sort of getting to me, it's about the loneliness. That's sort of the thing that nips at my heels. That's the heavy weight that I feel as I'm working with families. That that's what I want to prevent. That's what I want to stay ahead of. You know, life is gonna throw all sorts of things at us, and you can get through all sorts of things if you feel like you have connections and people that support you. Yes. I've learned from you, anxiety and depression are internalizing disorders where people get caught up in their thoughts and they remain inside and they're not connecting outward. Yes. If we know how to go and switch modes and begin external connection, that is how we prevent ourselves from falling into serious patterns of anxiety and depression. So that connection is the the magic potion to keep us solid. Absolutely. And during this pandemic, you know, the research is coming out and the data is coming out. And when they're looking at what people are struggling with, the thing that we're seeing over and over again that comes up is loneliness and isolation. And that that's what we see people struggling with. And then on the flip side of it is that we can revel in the connections that we have and how wonderfully creative and loving people have been as a way to connect. But you're right. That's the magic. That's the glue. That's what sustains us even during during the most tragic of times is when we feel loved and connected and when we reach out to other people too. So this is our first episode under our new name. It's our first episode of season two. And we changed our name because we launched the podcast rather in a reaction from the pandemic. Lynn and I had been working on parenting retreats in person. So the idea of a podcast really made sense. And Lynn, you came up with the name Flusterclucks, which I really adore. Tell me what that means to you. Obviously, it is a play on the other phrase that describes 2020. Totally. Because we're all living in this environment. So I think about Flusterclucks. It makes me think of how we all were just sort of running around with chickens with our heads cut off, that expression. And even as we started this podcast, you you were like, all right, let's let's get this thing up and running. And as I've said a gazillion times, everybody, it was amazing what Robin did to pull this off. But I feel like we all made this shift from in school to remote learning, to working at your job, to working at home. And Flusterclucks to me just sounded like we were all just sort of figuring it out. Then also it reminds me of just this idea that, you know, it's got a little mother hen to it. And I like that image as well, but that it's so easy to sort of get flustered by things. And it's so easy to sort of talk too much and to just get into these patterns of saying things. And I I say to parents all the time, I need you to talk 85% less. So it's just sort of (laughs) accepting. (laughs) That's totally what it means to me. Yes, (laughs) we fill the air too much. Yes. It's just a reminder that parenting has all this energy to it, which is sometimes great and sometimes feels a little fluster clucky. So that's what it means to me. And the other thing I know both 
both of us really like is that when we had the Name a Moms retreat, it was specifically because Lynn was hosting retreats before this. And the retreats were open to men and women, but we obviously never wanted dads to feel excluded. So Lynn, what I want to ask you is that as we are starting a new school year in 2020 with all of these conditions and everything that we have been through in the last several months, many families might be seeing more anxiety in their daily diet. Because how could we not be worrying a little more? There's a lot of uncertainty that is unprecedented. So what I want to ask you and what I think is very interesting is obviously as an anxiety expert and therapist... Families seek you out because they have children that have anxiety that's preventing them from doing activities right? that are important to them or other things that create an avoidance between the very beginning of anxious patterns to the time they end up on your sofa in your office. What should we be thinking about and looking at as parents of how we're all doing? That is such a great question because it really goes after something near and dear to my heart, which is the idea that we can pay attention to these things and normalize them, and then we can prevent them from becoming big, huge problems that get in the way of kids doing things that we want them to do. And right now, because we know that anxiety is all about certainty and comfort, and this is a time of uncertainty, if you haven't noticed, there are patterns that we can pay attention to. So I'll just tell you, because there are certainly some ones that that are really the heavy hitters. That's actually a way I always describe it. I've, I mentioned this in like student teacher conferences, but I think of asteroids, mm-hmm. not specifically the one that's predicted to hit our planet planet potentially on election day, if you've read that headline. Oh, (laughs) well, that'll either be good news or bad news. It depends. But the thing is, they say that actually there's less than a point percentage chance that the trajectory of the asteroid would hit the Earth. But what I think about this philosophically is that when we do a little bit of modification or we're aware of certain patterns that you give us advice of how to tweak a little bit, it can change the trajectory Mm -hmm. of that habit so that it doesn't have a collision. It's that same metaphor where they say like if you're flying a plane across the country and you turn one degree, you end up in a completely different part of the world. So yeah, and that's a good way to think about it because sometimes people get intimidated or overwhelmed, like they think they're going to have to do a total parenting overhaul, like they're just going to have to start from scratch. And the idea of just tweaking a little something or changing a pattern and just shifting it in another direction is a really great way to think about it. Well, that's what you're all about. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. Just a little tweak here and there including talking 85% less, which sometimes for some people that's more than a little tweak, but it's very effective. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn. And now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic. And that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good. And Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. 
Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, There's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. The first thing I want to sort of bring out is a pattern. And this, this sort of encompasses a lot. It's actually patterns of rigidity. This covers a lot of ground, but it's really important is in general, looking at flexibility versus rigidity. So anybody that's heard me speak or anybody that's come to see me in my office will hear me beating this drum because rigidity is really an attempt to gain control, to make sure that everything is going as planned, to make sure that everything is certain. And it really can become pretty big if left unattended over a period of time. I want to stop you there because the rigidity piece of it 
when kids start manifesting rigidity, isn't often your perception is that a parent doesn't realize that they're modeling that too. And that has to be a part of it. Of course. And when we look at patterns being passed down, people like to talk about like they say, oh, she comes by it honestly, or oh, it runs in the family. And sometimes they they think they're talking about, you know, freckles and red hair genetically running in the family. But we know that modeling actually has a huge impact. And so when parents model rigidity, And when parents want things to go exactly as planned, and when parents have a really hard time showing flexibility and modeling flexibility, then we know that kids, of course, because that's what they learn, they begin to believe that that's the way that things have to go. Now, let me just say this, because lots of times when I'm talking about flexibility and rigidity, particularly during this time when you're hearing a lot about the importance of routine and the importance of schedule and how as our kids are doing remote learning or they're going to be in this hybrid thing or they have to go to school and wear a mask all day, that this idea of getting kids in a routine is really, really important. They're having a schedule. This is what was happening during the lockdown is that, you know, things were sort of going to hell in a handbasket. And so the important thing to think about is that I am talking about flexibility within routine. So it is great for your kids to have a routine where they know what to expect. There's a bedtime that you consistently shoot for. There is a routine in the morning that helps everybody get up out of bed and get ready for school on time. Like when my husband used to go to ski races, he had this thing where he would start at his head and he would go hat, goggles, coat, but what he'd go right down to make sure he had everything. All of that kind of routine is really helpful. But where rigidity comes in, because routine and rigidity are not the same thing, where rigidity comes in is that it has to go a certain way no matter what. And if it doesn't, then somebody loses their mind. And so say you have a routine in the morning where you do this, you do this, and the routine is that you go and you get your socks and then you put your shoes on. And what happens if the cat has eaten your favorite sock? Or what happens if in your head you were going to wear your blue shirt and that actually didn't come out of the dryer yet? And then all bets are off. So we really want to help kids, you parents too, differentiate between flexibility within a routine, and then that rigidity that demands that things go a certain way. Because there's a big difference between those two things. What really comes to me is, say you have a three-year-old and there is a ritual where the three-year-old has a certain blue cup that they like. Mm -hmm. And then the blue cup becomes a ritual, but one day the blue cup either was misplaced or is still dirty. And if that child says, I won't drink without my blue cup, then that obviously then that child isn't flexible, but promoting that routine of always giving that blue cup is also bottling predictability and consistency when you could also be modeling. It doesn't matter what cup we drink. Right. And, and the thing about little kids is that they like predictability. And they like routine, right? So, so anybody who's got a toddler now or is, you know, remembers having a toddler, they like the same books to be read to them over and over and over again. So there's something very comforting about that kind of routine and that kind of predictability. And developmentally, there's really nothing wrong with that. But you want to look for opportunities to insert flexibility. You want to look for opportunities to say that, you know, that cup is in the dishwasher. So luckily we have the standby cup or we have our first best cup and our second best 
glass cup so that you're always giving them language that says, sure, you have a preference, but it's not set in stone. That's sort of what happens, right? So I'll only eat one shape of pasta or I'll only eat the macaroni and cheese that's in this color box, even though if you change the macaroni and cheese, they wouldn't even notice. So being able to to find that balance between flexibility and rigidity is really helpful, knowing all along that routine is fine. It's just when it gets over rigid. And that's something, if we're talking about warning signs or we're talking about the way that worry can show up, that's what you want to look for. The thing that I ask kids all the time is I'll say, well, what's a situation in which rigidity is really important and that we don't have flexibility because I want them to understand that that exists as well. They will say, whenever I get in the car, I always have to fasten my seatbelt or I always have to buckle up my car seat. And I say, well, whenever I ride my road bike out on the road, I always wear my helmet. And so I'm very rigid about that. And then I say, okay, so what what would be something where we definitely have a routine and there might be a rule that we like to follow, but there are some times where you can imagine being flexible. And you can ask your kids this and then they can come up and you can come up with a family about all sorts of times where a little flexibility was really helpful. Like, you know, maybe you've done a really good job of getting your four or five year old to sleep in their own bed, but you make a rule that if there's a if there's a storm and all the lights are out in the house when you go to bed, that everybody sleeps in mommy and daddy's room because it's scary. Or you have a bedtime of eight o'clock, but your favorite cousin is visiting and so we're going to let the bedtime go until nine o'clock because this is a fun family event. So it's working on that spectrum of recognizing the value of routine, the necessity of rigidity in some places, and then where do we inject flexibility so that life can move along in a, in a pleasant way. You know what phrase keeps popping into my head is like a dangerous phrase for a mom or a dad to think, this is what we do. If you're a parent who sort of embraces that phrase because Mm -hmm. this is our routine, Mm -hmm. there's probably a chance that the parent has a really strong attachment to the way things have to go. And then they're feeding that adherence to the routine, you know, to the kids too. Yeah, exactly. And what happens when when a parent says, this is the way we do things and this is the way it has to go, then what happens inside a, a child and then it happens inside a teenager is they begin to question like, why do we always have to do it this way? So you might get some rebellion from that. But also there's a fear of what will happen if we can't do it the way we're supposed to do it. When you think about rigidity and anxiety, and anxiety is a lot about fear, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety about what happens if we can't do the routine like we're supposed to do it. So then the worry starts to get bigger and bigger and they start planning things out and then they want to know exactly what's going to happen at the birthday party. You can see this mentality of things always need to go as planned really sort of bleeds out. And then we have an anxiety disorder that gets in the way of kids doing what they want to do because they'll avoid stuff rather than go into something in which there's a lot of flexibility. Well, so we're starting a new school year that has all of these unprecedented circumstances around it. Mm -hmm. Never have we started a school year where it's quite predictably going to change. Right. A month from now, two months from now, if 
perhaps caseloads increase in a specific area, etc. So as the takeaway, when parents are thinking about presenting a family schedule for remote, hybrid, in-person learning this school year, how mm-hmm. should we be talking about our schedule and making room for it changing? So there's a few ways, particularly if kids are going back into school, there are going to be a lot of rules that they're going to have to follow. If you're talking to your kids saying, let's talk about the things that are non-negotiable right now. And it might be you have to wear a mask or you have to do this or you have to do that. So you want to let kids know as they go into school that there are things that even if they're uncomfortable and even if they're new and even if they're weird, that there are rules that they're going to have to abide by, just like the fastening the seatbelt rule. So we want to put that out front. I would just be really upfront and say, this is the plan right now. And the plan can change based on all sorts of things. And we don't really know. And I would put changing and evolving and adjusting in very normal terms, even though this is very abnormal situation, and come up with your family about ways in which things change. You and I live in New England, right? And the leaves are always already starting to turn a little bit and fall off my birch trees. And you say, so one of the things we know is that we know that the seasons are going to change but we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. We don't know exactly what this winter is going to look like. We don't know exactly how hot it's going to be into the fall. And so even though we know there's a routine of the seasons changing, we just don't know all the details. And, you know, you can come up with all sorts of metaphors for that. We know that you're going to get bigger. We know that you're going to grow. We know that the sneakers you're wearing now are probably not going to fit when you're 15, but we don't know exactly how those changes are going to happen. And so we're going to have to be a family of flexibility. We're going to have to be a family that adapts. And this would also be a really good time to have a little meeting with your family and talk about and just sort of review the ways that you have been adaptable already, the ways you've been flexible already. So have it, you know, like, oh my my gosh, remember in March when we had to do this and remember in April and then remember when we did this and we had to do this. So you are just working this idea of adaptability into the oxygen they're breathing so that it really becomes a part of what they expect. I mean, it sounds a little paradoxical, but we're teaching them to actually expect that things are going to change and that they're not going to have probably the same routine at the end of the school year. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath, and on the app, it lets you know if you are burning fat or carbs, and it gives you a tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. So how Lumen works is that you breathe into the Lumen device first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fat or carbs. And then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals, so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. I love the extra data that I'm getting about my health right now. Because for many women of my age, as we are going through a long chapter of hormone changes, Lumen's helping me use my body's data to make the best choices. So your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. And because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, and better sleep, which is key. So Lumen gives you recommendations to improve your metabolic health. So what is metabolic flexibility and why should you care? Well, the key to metabolic health is something called metabolic flexibility. 
We love flexibility at Fluster Clucks, and that's where Lumen really shines. It refers to your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats, and there are preferred times to use each, and how well you can switch places you on the metabolic flexibility spectrum. So after getting to know you through your breath, Lumen gives you a metabolic flex score that you can track and improve upon. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fluster to get $100 off Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N-D-O-T-M-E. And use Fluster at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook. You can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks as they're having now. What would you say to parents who have slightly older children, teens, for example, or, mm-hmm. and you don't feel like you have to sort of perform that lesson to the same degree? Are there still cautionary words you would give? Say that school situation changes or it's a, it's a schedule change that is very worrisome for some families. Mm-hmm. Aren't there still boundaries to talk about your teens schooling in a way that is a healthier way than others? So one of the things I've got that been doing all these virtual presentations and I've got this slide I've been showing at the end. And it basically says, we're going to have to adjust our goals this year. 
And maybe in meeting these different goals, we're going to discover things we never expected. And I think that the message that I want to give families is that although this has been thrust upon us, this is a really unique and not so great, but unique opportunity to talk to your kids about how we're going to have to adjust our goals and work together as a family. And one of the things I was talking to a client of mine the other day, and she's going off for her freshman year in college. I have several of my clients that are going off for their freshman year in college. And I kept doing this this sort of visual for her, which you can't see me doing, but I'm doing right now, as if she is sitting in a big raft going down the rapids in the river. And I kept sort of rocking back back and forth. So every time she would say, but I don't even know how long I'm going to be at college. And I would just put my arms out. And so go back and forth in the river. I said, you're, you're in the river. You're going down the river and you can't really control a lot of what's happening, but I want you to sit in the raft and I want you to just go with it a little bit. And I think that for older kids, the idea that we have to keep re evaluating our goals and figuring out what's most important in this family is going to be a message that you're going to want to give them because they're missing sports. They're missing activities. Some kids aren't even going back to school. It's going to be fully remote. There are plans for them to go in this day and not this day. I think you really want to focus on the value of flexibility and collaboration and adaptability. I think that's how you want to talk to older kids about it. As you're starting this new school year, One of the questions I would really love for you to ask your kids of all ages, and you know what parents ask yourself the same question, is what are you proud of? How did you handle what we've been through in a way that makes you proud? Doesn't mean that it was a great experience. It doesn't mean that everything was fabulous or that you, you know, had some wonderful times this summer, which I hope you did. But I really want kids to be able to talk about and even brag a little bit about how adaptable they've already been because connecting you to your past successes is one of the key elements to preventing anxiety moving forward. Anxiety wants you to forget about the past. It wants you to disregard what you've done. It wants to disconnect you from your skills and your confidence, and it wants to freak you out about the future. So ask your family that question. What are you proud of? What have you handled in a way that made you proud? It makes them bring up their skills. It brings up their accomplishments in a way that can be really helpful as you're stepping into the school year. So Lynn, I have a listener question I'm going to ask. How can I help my child with his anxieties around distance education? He has a difficult time with criticism normally, but that seems to be exacerbated by remote learning since there's not an encouraging voice to soften things. He also does not like the thought of other people watching him on the screen, and he gets revved up before any video class time and stays in that hypersensory state long after the video class has ended. What can I do to help him? Okay, so there are a few things going on here, and these are really good skills to work on because being able to take criticism is a really helpful skill to develop because it comes at you all the time. And when kids are oversensitive to criticism, that's actually a sign sometimes of some social anxiety because it's a fear of judgment. And social anxiety is all about worrying about what people are thinking of you and if they're judging you harshly. And it also is a little bit of a sign sometimes of perfectionism. So I'm picking up from this question and I'm always just having to make some assumptions, but I'm picking up from this question that this is an anxious kid who has a really hard time feeling as if he's being judged or as if he's going to screw up. And he really needs a lot of reassurance that he's doing things okay. So one of the things you want to do is you want to talk to him about handling criticism and what that means. So criticism 
is different than correction. And being able to do something wrong and be corrected is really important for him. And it's really important for you, mom, to know that you do not want to have him depend on a consistent diet of reassurance and that he's doing okay and that he's great and that he's okay if he makes a mistake because then that becomes his background noise that he depends on. So I would really talk to him about how one of the things that's really hard in school is that when you're learning new things, sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you don't know the answer. Sometimes you screw up. Sometimes you think you did a great job and you think you have the right answer. And then the teacher says, oh, well, let's change this a little bit. Because as we move into life and we're trying to get better at things, you know, Robin and I write things back and forth to each other all the time. And Robin always edits what I give her. When I write books, the editor says, change this and do this. When my sister is riding her horse, the person watching her says, adjust this, adjust that. So we really want to get him used to the idea that correction is okay. And that he doesn't have to take it personally in a way that it impacts who he is. So even being able to talk to him about that part of him that thinks he's not supposed to make a mistake or that part of him that thinks he's supposed to do everything perfectly or that part of him that worries about being judged and be able to recognize and help him get a little bit of distance from it would be great. And I would acknowledge to him also that it seems like it's hard for you when you don't have somebody right there, that warm, encouraging voice. And so this is going to be a little practice for you of how are you going to talk yourself through this? What are you going to say to yourself? What do you say back to yourself when you've made a mistake? I don't like to make a mistake. You don't like to make a mistake, but how are you going to talk yourself through it? So what you're doing is trying to replace his dependence on that external encouraging voice and have him create his own internal encouraging voice. That would be a wonderful skill for him to develop as he's going through remote learning. You can say to him, I've noticed that before you're going to go on for a Zoom call, your worry really shows up and starts going. And I wonder what it says. And if he says, you know, I don't know how old he is, but if he says, I don't know, or it doesn't say anything, or that's a stupid question, or stop talking to me about this. I would say to him, mom, you know what? This is what happens to me. When I'm about to go on to a Zoom call, there's a part of me that says, people are going to be looking at you. What if you look funny? What if this happens? What if that happens? And that's a normal part of putting yourself out there. That's a normal part of having people look at you and observe you. And so we're just going to practice that. But we know that worry is going to show up, externalize it, give it a name, and really help him just sort of expect it. Don't try and talk him out of it. Don't say, oh, there's nothing to be worried about, or everybody on the Zoom call is fine. You just want to say, of course, that that's going to show up because people are looking at you and that can feel a little uncomfortable. So really normalizing it and not stepping in and doing what the worry wants. The worry wants the constant stream of encouragement and the worry really wants you to say he doesn't have to go on the Zoom call. One of the things that this makes me think of, because this came up in another listener question, is for the mother and the son to really go over the difference between criticism he's imagining in his head and criticism he's actually getting. Because his anxiety is telling him stories, Yep, probably. So half of the criticism that he is worried about are those things that he's creating in his own mind. That's such a great point to bring up because we all do that. And worry likes to go catastrophic, right? So the teacher says, oh, so James, that's really great. I need you to just move over a little bit. Or James, you're almost there. Let's see. Now look and see what you did here. Or if it's an older kid, you know, okay, so this paragraph is really great. I just want you to have a stronger first sentence. 
that's all help versus what the worry might be saying is, you know, oh, you wrote a terrible paragraph or you'll never get this right or she hates you. So really paying attention to what the story is the worry is saying, because you're exactly right, Robin, is that is that a critique or a comment or a suggestion when it goes through the worry filter turns into a catastrophic indictment. And it's usually pretty global, right? You suck. Is it even worse that it doesn't even take a criticism to go through the anxiety filter? Silence goes through an anxiety filter where we project onto the silence that we're seeing. So much in in We Worry, particularly as it shows up in social contexts, is really about projection. Mm -hmm. It really is. So my husband, when he would get mad and when he was irritated long ago, he used to whistle. And, um, (laughs) but he didn't like whistle a happy tune. It was a very sort of like, you know, you could imagine, I'm not going to do it now, but you could imagine when somebody's mad and trying to whistle. And so I knew when he was upset that he was whistling. And so of course, like it would just make me be like, oh my God, he's whistling. And so finally I asked him and I said, how come when you get mad, you whistle? And he said, it just calms me down. And I think it was like his version of deep breathing, but now he doesn't do it anymore because this is like, 25 years ago. He doesn't do it anymore. But now if he whistles, I'm always sort of like, are you mad? And he's like, no, I'm just whistling. I mean, we create all of these stories in our head about things. And it's 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 just what our human brains do. I'm just laughing because since Lynn is my sister-in-law, there's a family story of our nephew when he was little said Lynn's hobby was whistling. <laughs> well, I am a good whistler. I mean, that's just like, if everyone knows that. There's no debating that. So yeah. So maybe there was a part of me that was a little upset that he was taking Taking, taking my passion. How dare he? That's right. Whistling is your territory. Yeah, my territory. The Andy Griffith theme. I've got that down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's my best work, but you get the flavor. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, totally your territory. After I brag about what a good whistler I am, I got to bring it. It's true. (laughs) We encourage you to join our Facebook group so that you can submit a question for a future episode with Lynn. So today's episode is sponsored by Milestones Pediatric Therapy Center in Bedford, New Hampshire. If you've got a child who needs some help with speech or occupational therapy, if you need evaluations or treatments, they are great at meeting every child's unique needs, and it's a really fun and positive environment. They help children using a multidisciplinary approach. This allows children to access what they need to grow and develop their skills with a variety of specialists. And who doesn't want that? They can help you with any insurance needs. So check them out. Their website is milestones with an S, nh.com, and get started with the help you need. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. 
And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross-type paint-on-paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.